Hey, good job, Yay. Craig. You figured it out. Attaboy. Good, good bot. <laughs> Have a biscuit. Yeah. Have a biscuit, Potter. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. Hmm. Brown sugar, regular sugar. Brown sugar. Four. Okay. Because I don't think this is actually brown sugar. Not entirely sure what this is. Is it raw sugar? It might be. Shocking that I know that. Actually, it's all hard. So Puffs? Yeah, how was Puffs? Puffs was really fun. Yay. I was the only one dressed up. One person was there in scarves. Two girls came in scarves, but nobody else was dressed up. And it wasn't nearly as full as I thought it would be. I thought it'd be overflowing. So, but that was cool because I got to meet some other friends there. Um, But yeah, it was not what I expected, but it had a lot of humor and it was just really fun. Uh, There was maybe 10 people in the cast. That's just a guest. And so they played all different parts. Um, Yeah, it's a small cast thing. Yeah. I loved uh, Ron. Ron was played by a mop. (laughs) <laughs> it was a big see. but whenever yeah whenever they had ron it was just a mop and hermione had mop hair so uh yeah and it you know it was fun to watch the hufflepuffs cedric was hilarious until cedric was no more Aww. and then they had the battle and and stuff and there was there was this one puff and he he wanted he wanted to be Harry, you know. He didn't. Yeah. He was adopted. He came from the United States to Hogwarts, of course. And yeah. he he knew nothing about magic, and he was like, all you know, all I've read growing up were these books where the kid finds out that he is magic, and then he becomes a hero. And so I want to be the hero, and he tries and tries and tries to become the hero, and Harry always wins. <laughs> Of course. So the other really fun thing about Puffs was that my name was in the credits. Woo! Nice. Did you back a Kickstarter or something? Yeah, I did. And and thank you, Wayne, if you're listening, for telling me and reminding me because I had forgotten. And then when it came up, I was like, "Oh, my name's going to be here." So, did you woot? Uh, a little bit. I was like, "I'm hey, sorry." <laughs> did anybody look at you funny? <laughs> No, I was in the last row. Nobody could see me. It was fine. Oh, okay. My news from the week is I've been at the Real Shorts Film Festival that happens here every year. They, One of the local people has, 12 years ago, I guess, um, this this was the 12th, so 11 years ago, I don't know, um, started putting together a film festival of all short films. and Oh, it's so got nothing been, to do with shorts. Okay. No, it's just, it's short reels as in, you know, reels of film. Um, wow. but, so it's the real film festival. But I um, love you, Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I actually took Friday and today off to be able to go and see more of the ones that, because they put together a bunch of different film packages, and a lot of them are for, you know, school groups and things to come to. So they happen at like nine thirty and one mm. each day through the week. And then they'll have a couple of them that are at six thirty or seven thirty in the evenings for most other people to come to. 
but I like to see the ones that are meant for younger viewers because usually I enjoy those packages more. So mm-hmm. I came to the ones on Friday and saw all, all of them. And then I would actually be at the best of the fest um, right now because it's starting in five minutes, but I realized I have probably seen most of the things that will be in it. And I kind of wanted to talk about the fic more. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you came to us. Yay. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but it's fun. I'm glad we have it. It's a it's a neat thing to be able to go do and mm-hmm. they have films from all over the world. Like there's Norwegian ones and French ones and German ones. Oh, that is fun. Various subtitles and apparently they went through something like three thousand and got it down to eighty. Oh so my goodness. That's yeah. <laughs> that's a trick. Mm-hmm. My other big news is that I have a grown up phone now. Oh, yes. And I have an ah phone. An ah phone. I suppose you, you already before? were a Mac person, so. Mm-hmm. You had a dumb I, phone? I had a track phone, a page uh, phone. Yeah. And I spent yesterday trying very hard to put my Harry Potter ringtones back in here, and I have yet to be able to find out if I do. Speaking uh-huh. of ringtones. <laughs> Not in service. That was well timed. <laughs> yes, it was. So as I was walking over here to podcast, I heard this car coming up the driveway. And so I stopped, and then I heard the car stop, and then I didn't hear it go anymore. So I was on my way around the back of the house to go to the driveway, because that was the shorter way, when I heard them start going again. And apparently uh, my uh, nephew, step-nephew, whatever he is, they moved out of my brother's house this week and are camping out in the mountains, came home to pick up some stuff. And they didn't realize that we let the chickens free range. Oh my God. And so they were freaking out. thinking They were going to have to chase chickens for us. He was very sweet to want to do that. But so that's why I was on my way over here with plenty of time. And then all of a sudden I was investigating cars and sending people in and stuff. So and we're going to hope that my brother knows that he's coming to borrow tools. That's a scary thing. Yeah. And I need to bury a chicken still tonight, so we should get going. Aww. So yeah, we should. Light to bury said chicken. It was too hot to do it earlier. I couldn't sit on the tractor seat. Or I'd have burned my tush. Yeah, Are we going to finish fun. it off tonight? Because no, I can go I a little later. So. Okay. It's 17 chapters. I... So, we went to 22 last time? Um, yes, we're starting with 23. We're starting with 23. Um, so, I'm thinking 23 to 28. Yeah. And then 29 to 35, because it's 35 we go to, not 36. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. The last yep. chapter starts a new arc. And yes, it did. while we could include it, it doesn't really matter. Okay. So, that's my thinking. Scott, you want to start us out? Welcome to season nine of Perfect Will. <laughs> we are going to start quickly and try to stay on topic. Well, it's because they won't let me have an explosive repair with Snake, and it pisses me off. Sex and snorkel. We can't rock it like we used to. <laughs> Most of us are going to bring a hit. 
I swear, yeah. I read them for the stories. <laughs> Wait, so they've turned Snape into the chef from The Little Mermaid? You just can't say that to the Dark Lord. <laughs> but I digress. Us digress? Never. <laughs> no, never, never. Chickens with Sue Hour. <laughs> My mom went to Hawaii and all she brought me was a stupid chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just... <laughs> Good night, guys. I'm already fall asleep. I think I did at one point. Mr. Potter, what are you doing at the Wizarding Mart? Yes. Holy shit, did I fall asleep through the whole fucking thing almost? Apparently. <laughs> that is going in an intro too, please. Where the hosts are all our friends. Somehow the tangents seem to blend. Come on our journey round the bend Part of it weekly Where the story never ends Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, everybody. The flagship of the Potterfic Weekly family of podcasts. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Kat. And I'm Mooney. And today we are doing our... What is it? Third, fourth episode on realizations by Wishweaver, starting at chapter twenty-three, and we'll see how far we get because that seems to be how they're working this season. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it works. Yeah, but it is an interlude with night thoughts of Harry Potter. Yep, who is yeah, currently so- over at the rights trying to babysit. <laughs> and kept pictures of babysitting up way past their bedtimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know that's how babysitting works sometimes. That's a common like first babysitter like thing that happens is like you keep the kid, you know, like the kid wants to stay up an extra half hour and you like let them because it's a special night, and then you know the kid's overtired and you're like, what the the hell did I do? Yeah. That's I have about never right. understood why kids who are overtired just don't fall asleep. They just can't. They will immediately if you can get them to be still. Yeah. So it's basically. But they fight it. They're. I think my theory is they're they're freaking out because they don't know how to deal. It, it's like how babies and small children don't know how to deal with emotions very well. So, yeah. like, they, like, you know, scream when they're mad and they, you know, cry at everything, you know. So, basically, um, they're basically expressing the emotion of I'm overtired by basically saying I'm just going to sob. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying I'm overtired, I need to go to bed. That rationality. But, like, that wouldn't rationality the sobbing, is- like, tire you out? Too? Like, even even more. The thing is, it, it tires you eventually. out even further. <laughs> But the thing is, you have to get the once the, you get the kid to calm down, they pass out. Mm-hmm. Have you never experienced the whole thing where you stay up too late yourself because you're doing reading something or things thing. are going on or <laughs> reading fanfic or various well, different yeah, things that can happen but... on the internet, and then you are in bed going, "I am so tired. Why am I not asleep?" And well, that's basically you, me you're every too night. Too tired so, to fall you know. asleep, and. That, you know, also happens for kids. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, so with kids, it's just basically they don't know how to process emotions, so they cry at everything. 
and that's where where the the overtired screaming children comes from it also which is also actually why kids scream around three o'clock at disneyland because their parents are like we're just gonna skip nap time today do like listeners out there if your parent at disneyland do not skip nap time go back to your get the freaking hand stamp go back to your hotel and come back later it's not a big deal it's a couple hours out of your thing like after out of your schedule like disneyland will still be there and the kid won't be screaming oh you're no fun at all oh no i'm not i don't mess around with kids screaming at disneyland because every single time i've gone without fail at three o'clock there are at least 20 kids in my vicinity screaming like bloody murder because they're overtired Oh, and they boy. don't know how to express the emotion of, I'm overtired. Yeah, they just scream. That's their job. Yeah. Anyway, rant over. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, living in LA there a lot, it's just annoying. <laughs> so Harry has, he's on the couch. He's getting his blankets. He's, you know, let the kids see a video. He's read six stories. He's done two rounds of goodnights, hugs and kisses, water, three lullabies, a little Becky's. bit of rocking. And a partridge in a pear tree. And a half-finished conversation. And I will know that Becky's the only one crying. Kitty is just tired, and she's old enough to process the fact that she's just tired, and mm-hmm. she's not going to cry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so. Then he's processing the fact that Dobby came, but the ministry didn't send an owl, um, which is very, very strange. Yes. And Making him rather uncomfortable with what's going along. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Harry has basically been forced to sing lullabies, which he never considered a thing before, and is fairly sure he's just going to traumatize her by doing so, but it actually seems to work. So he probably is a better singer than he thinks he is, just because he's never really done it. Or rather, he's also never been in an environment where anything he did would be praised at all. Hmm. So it's possible that he's saying as a little kid, because a lot of little kids sing, and do they uh, ever? Yeah. Or Uncle Vernon, you know, said he had an ugly voice, or you know, he had a horse. Shut that. Or probably just told him to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, and let him make his own assumptions about the fact that, like, obviously his voice was rubbish because they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, they just don't like him. Yep. So he's looking out the window. Well, it's, it's not owls. that they don't like him. They're just assholes. Mm, that's true. Those are not mutually exclusive things. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> that I don't think they should be allowed to lay, like, lay back on. They just don't like Harry because disliking somebody is different than abusing them. Mm. But at any rate, there's been a lot of magic because... You know, Dobby was there, and they, the kids showed him their ball, and he made things happen with it, too. So there should have been magic from that, and yet there hasn't been a letter. And he's, he eventually decides it's probably because there must have been extra tracking at Privet Drive or something. And yeah. it doesn't have the same effect here. I mean, how... So in the wizarding world, you've got Muggleborns who are doing... Magic, obviously. Yes. Do they not send the ministry there unless it's, like, huge things? Because from the way we read, at least I read it in McGonagall's backstory, 
it was up to the family to make sure that at least the so, half-blood kids didn't, like, blow up the neighbors. This is mm-hmm. before the trace, but largely, right. and I remember this, um, the um, way it was explode, the way that people assumed it during this time was that it was just based on vicinity. So, meaning, meaning if Draco Malfoy practiced his spells all summer, no one would notice because he, they live in a magical house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if Harry did it because he's the only one for miles who is a wizard, they're going to notice something. Right. And that wasn't wrong. Per se, it wasn't. It was a little off, but like, so basically, yeah. the, the assumption was that um, Harry's in a Muggle. Well, the assumption here is Harry's in a Muggle in a Muggle area. The Leaky Cauldron's down the street, but they're going to be able to yeah. de- decipher between residential and the Leaky Cauldron. Um, and so he's trying to justify why, um, you know, w- mm-hmm. why the the trace did not follow him. At all. And the the actual in-story explanation is that Harry's folder has turned on his unfindability at this point, but he yeah, doesn't right. know that yet. So, so yeah. basically, no because Harry's unfindable, anywhere where Harry is, is basically the black hole of magic. <laughs> and so if anybody casts a spell around Harry, Noah would know, like, the magical, uh, the improper use of magic uh, office would not be aware of it because it's near Harry. So they wouldn't be able to, to, you know, send an owl because they're right next to Harry. Yeah. And um, Kitty wants to know if he's going to tell about her doing magic, although she doesn't really know what it is. Yeah. He's not quite sure what to say, but then he remembers back to Tom when he arrived at the Leaky Cauldron and Tom said, you know, he wanted to know if Tom would tell Dumbledore, and Tom said, well, why don't you tell me what happened first? And so... He echoes that sentiment. Yeah. And she thinks, she says, you'll think I'm dumb, and he says, well, try me anyhow. And basically, we find out that she's afraid of the dark, and she liked to have a nightlight. But when her mom thought she had outgrown it, her mom got rid of the nightlight, and when she woke up in, in a room that was dark and got scared... She made this ball come well, of light. Come. So I'm going to slight correction. They okay. still have a nightlight. Um, Kitty was so afraid of the dark that she had a full-size lamp on all night as well as a nightlight. Um, and there was once when the, the lamp was off and Kitty was afraid, so she made the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that, they were able to remove the lamp from the room, but they still have the nightlight. Right. So... I don't Sorry. know how kids could sleep That's with a okay. full lamp so, on. I tried that once, and it I, was difficult. I will, so I will say, well, I mean, it depends. It depends from kid to kid. It doesn't yeah. act. It, it does actually mess with your sleeping cycle. But if a kid is so petrified of the dark, then you know, obviously, they're not going to sleep yeah. in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's let's them relax enough to. You can also get low um, low light lamps um, that are low light bulbs. That are low enough that it would be like you could sleep and but still see everything in the in the room. It doesn't have to be a full sixty watt, you know, glow. <laughs> yeah. Um. The other thing that I always I kind of like assumed from this is I'm just imagining Harry listening to Kitty's story while picturing his childhood at Privet Drive, where he's shut in the cupboard under the stairs all night, 
you know, know. and it's pitch black. I'm just going like, oh my God. (laughs) Harry. And so Kitty believes that her mother's not going to be happy if she finds out that she still needs the lights. Yeah. So it's accidental magic, but she has ridiculous control over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's. But then Tom Riddle did obviously too. Obviously, a pretty powerful witch. Yeah, she's and she's just like, well, I just had to practice. It was sort of like when I learned to whistle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so you have... can. There are those who can control their accidental magic. <laughs> and then he thinks about Dobby, and he sort of grinning to himself thinking about how Dobby cleaned up the whole living room with just a snap of his fingers. Yeah. And then, well, yeah, but he also sealed the portal to platform nine and three quarters and made the blender go berserk and, you know, all these different things. And nobody noticed. Yeah. And that makes Harry sit up. He's like, nobody noticed. Hmm, Wait a minute. Maybe Dobby did this deliberately. (laughs) And that has always not made sense to me in Chamber of Secrets, but that's another story. What has the fact that Dobby could levitate the pudding or whatever it was, and I actually have Harry gets a logical for excl- explanation for that. Okay. So house elves are supposed to be unnoticed in the wizarding world. So if you have right. a house elf, you're not supposed to notice it. So when you cast a spell to, you ha- have wards that are supposed to sense magic within your house or whatever. You don't want to know if the house elf is doing magic, right? So you would, ha- like, basically it would be canceled out of the wards. So what I'm assuming is after after hundreds of generations of this, it's just automatic that ho- house elf magic is ca- is canceled out of all these, you know, spells and things that are monitoring magic. So when um, w- the spell was large enough and near enough to Harry, when Dobby did it in a muggle area, a severely m- muggle area, that um, it was, it triggered that magic had been done at number four Prudent Drive. They couldn't tell that Harry had done it. They could tell magic had been done at this residence. Mm-hmm. And since Harry was the only one that was there that was supposed to be able it to was do assumed magic. it was Harry. Um, and then, but number four, or sorry, uh, platform nine and three quarters and Hogwarts are two very magical places. Mm-hmm. So all that ma- like it, it's it's the house elf magic is canceled out of so if you cast a spell to see like what happened here you wouldn't be able to tell what happened there because the house elf did it yeah well plus there's so, a thousand kids running around that's that is my no but i mean if you if you suppose in my world view of of the wizarding world is if you cast a spell on something that was messed with magically you would be able to kind of tell who did it Mm, um you would like be able to like trace it back to like it its owner in in certain ways um magic leaves a signature yeah a a magical signature essentially so if it has no magical signature because it's a house elf then you know it was done wandlessly but like you know so it's just there's a million and one way but, but i i have a theory that basically house elf magic is is negated out of all these detection spells and such Hmm. Yeah, I think it's just because house elf magic is a very different kind of magic. And so most, it's it's that whole thing of wizards are the powerful ones and house elves are the peons. And so the wizard magic is what counts and that's what you ward against. (laughs) 
and they look down on the house of so much that they don't really even realize how much magic they have and it's not included in the words because nobody thinks that yeah. they have enough all right phone so dobby isn't come to fetch harry potter he's just running an errand and he was just checking up on him uh yeah, so Dobby knows perfectly well where Harry is, but doesn't know everybody else would want to know, or at least isn't going to volunteer the in- information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Dumbledore's like, so did you find Harry? And he's like, yeah, Dobby found Harry, sir. Okay, great, where is he? Uh, Harry says, I can't tell you. He must stay where he is. He told he's, me... He is to be sitting on babies. Yeah, he's sitting on babies. <laughs> <laughs> This is all that Harry's head, of course, but it does seem very Dobby like. And now he's about ready to fall asleep because his brain's just going around and round and round in circles. And we switch to Sirius Black. Oh, that was a a great in joke uh, during Puffs. A lot of things were very serious. (laughs) And they'd look right at you and say, Serious, and expect you to laugh. Hmm. There was even a little cursed child stuff at the end that was pretty good. Oh, dear. Ha, ha, ha. That they were sort of making fun of. It it has a very Potter musical vibe to it. It's nothing like uh. it, but it's got that vibe. So, and of course, no music, but it was fun. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch it again now that I have it. That's good. Yeah. Oh, they gave you a DVD, DVD? copy? Or? That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I download copy. Nice. As, as a Kickstarter person. Nice. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I got a copy of it, but I couldn't get the copy until yesterday because they had to have the theater run first, uh-huh. and then they could send out the copies. So Sirius is moody. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Not the one with the magical eye, just the no. He's uh, just the emotion. He's emoting. Yep, and he's sighing and thinking about how everything's not going well, and he hates waiting around and. Then Mooney comes out to talk to him. Twelve years in Azkaban. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, he's never been a particularly patient person. No. No, patient and serious black do not come to mind right next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And Remus says, "What are you thinking?" And he's like, "Aren't you supposed to be asleep?" No. He did some, but he's still too amped up himself. So he's come out to chat. And Sirius is thinking about his memories of James and Lily and which things he can remember and which he doesn't really. And, of course, some of the uh, his own sort of nightmare about how poorly he might perform at James's wedding has become a more clear memory to him than what actually happened, because that got dragged up a lot in Azkaban. Yeah. And so they, he goes through some of the things that do actually happen in the wedding. And uh, James apparently sent howlers out to everybody saying he was going to be a father, a father. when that happened. Yeah, because, you know, that's how you announce it, with howlers. Mm-hmm. And James just doesn't really know how to handle this stuff because he sort of has to step back and leave it to Lily to just, you know, get through the pregnancy and... There's not a whole lot he can do except support her, and he's not very good at being inactive. Males, please take note of uh, this author's stance on the male role in pregnancy. It is not we are pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's the woman's job. We have the uterus. (laughs) But the men can help, too. 
they can't have the baby, but there's lots of jobs for them. Oh yeah, one no, day. It's just one you know, day. It's one of those things of you know we're pregnant, we're, we're expecting. It's like no, you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, expecting sort of works because you at least are both looking forward to it. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing the thing with we're expecting is we're expecting a baby. Well, of course you're expecting a baby. Are you expecting an octopus? <laughs> Well, some people might. You never know. If you're in Galaxy Quest, maybe. <laughs> we <have>. also, also true. <laughs> or what okay. is that, the, like, the alien movie where they basically, like, oh, God, I can picture the scene in my head, but never mind. Yeah. I mean. Are you talking about Men in Black where the they pull the car over to the side of the road? And the no, two humans... there's this lady who, go, who goes with her team out to, like, some cave or something, and they get attacked by aliens and... She gets impregnated, and then like she has then to it, it eat its way out of her or something. I something like that. But she's lying isn't on a bed, alien? and she has to like. Is it that alien? would be alien? Uh, probably Prometheus. It's one of the later ones that suck. The only okay. two aliens that matter are a- Alien and Aliens. Number one and two. Everything else is horrible. Okay, because that's literally the only thing I remember. It was a that I I I so. I'll tell this story. Why not? We, we haven't, you know, been on track enough for me not to tell this story. So um, my uncle um, is retired now, but he used to be in the Producers Guild of America. Um, so what you do to be in a guild is essentially you have to go to a certain number of film screenings every year. And you go to these screeners with, uh, with other people in your guild and their guests. And you watch the movie and then you leave. And most of the time, and I've been to a few of these, people are talking about, you know, nonsensical everyday things. When they get to the theater, there's no previews. There's no nothing. The lights go down. You watch the movie. The lights come back up. You go back to, you know, talking about your lives. Mm-hmm. We went to see Alien Covenant, which is the most recent Alien. And oh, God, they're still making them? They are still making them. I wasn't expecting, you know, Shakespeare. But I was expecting a good sci-fi horror movie because people were saying good things about it in their reviews. So I sat down and I watched it. And it was literally plot hole, plot hole, obvious jump scare that, you know, everybody knew about 30 seconds ahead of time. Like, so it was, it was a horrible movie. And the way that you knew it was a horrible movie is instead of when the lights came up, instead of everybody talking about their day, days, there wasn't a single producer that said anything in the theater. It was dead silent. And these people have seen bad movies. Like, you know, they, it's their jobs to go to these things. So they've seen some bad stuff. Dead silence. We all get up. We silently walk out of the movie theater. And while we're still on the lot of the production company, about, you know, a good 50 yards away from the theater, suddenly we're all talking about how bad the movie was. <laughs> don't watch it it's the worst alien i've ever seen it's just it's it's not even scary it's just you're sitting there going like and why are they doing this this makes no sense like somebody needed to talk to the script script writer because it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) alien versus predator was okay it was was a fun thing but it wasn't really connected to either of the things or at least 
I mean, I, I haven't actually seen either Alien or Predator, so... I'm <laughs> interested in the new Predator remake because they're making it a remake. They're not trying to, like, do a whole prequel thing like they're doing with Alien. They're just making a remake of Predator, um, hmm. which should be intrigued. Like, I'm intrigued by this. Um, but as far as Alien Covenant goes, they're trying to tie the two timelines together, and it's just, it's not making, it's not going to line up correctly. Um, but it was just, it was one of those things of, like, it was maddening to sit there and go through it. It's by far the worst movie I've ever seen. And that includes those stupid, like, DM, uh, those, like, stupid car wreck movies they make you watch during Driver's Ed. Mm-hmm. Those were better than Alien Covenant. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. Wow. And the, the worst thing is, it's, it's a screener, right? So you can't stand up and leave in the middle of it. You're stuck there, just sitting there. Why not? Like, <laughs> Who says you can't leave? Because it's it's a producer's guild. They lock the doors. So, well, I mean, it's not they're not locked locked because you know you, you could leave in an emergency, but it's you're not supposed to leave the theater. That's sad. It's just a it's a so it, it's basically because everybody in there has produced work, and you want to respect each other's work, even if you think it sucks. I suppose. So you stay, the producers guild, you stay through the entire credits and then the lights come up. So everybody stays for the whole thing end to end. And then what? Mm-hmm. Do they get to review it or what happens? Uh, sometimes there's a Q&A. Um, most of the time you just leave. And then basically when all these awards come up, like the, um, the Academy Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. So the Screen Actors Guild Awards is a guild for screen actors. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a producer's guild awards at the end of the the production season. They so you basically vote on the movies in the categories that they're nominated for. Mm. One of our authors is a, in the Screen Actors uh, Guild, mm. I believe. Yeah, the there's. Oscars. I mean, the the other thing the is like with the Oscars. Oh, the Academy Awards. The the they're part of the the Academy. They're part of the Academy. That's it. So the, the the funny thing is, people uh, most people think of these these guilds as these like loity toity thing. Anybody who works in the industry essentially gets to sign. Like, if you are a screen actor, even if like nobody knows your name, you are probably in one, if not many, of these guilds. Right. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody knows about this particular author. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what he's done. I know he's done some Shakespeare stuff, but I don't know what the, yeah, the so movie or TV credits are from. Yeah, so it's but basically... But we know he has something because he's in the guild. And you could do you could have done something in the 70s and you're still part of the guild because as long as you keep going and reviewing, you're part of the guild. Yeah. And you pay, I think you pay a membership fee every year and then that's it. But we should get back. Anyway, back to the thing. I'm sorry. I just wanted to tell that story about Alien Covenant because it was just don't watch it. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Sirius is also remembering funny things. Yes. He's thinking about Harry and not needing help. It's not an emergency. I didn't need any help. I'd ask for it. I'm good, yo. And Sirius <laughs> is like, no, 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 no. You're lost. This is not okay. <laughs> Well, it's, it's kind of like an interesting difference in perspective, a fresh perspective, because for the reader, you know, we all know that, you know, Harry, first of all, books one through four 
has largely raised himself until the age of 11 and then books one through four has dealt with some pretty hairy situations no pun intended (laughs) um some pretty hairy some pretty sticky situations um you know without any help at all from anybody even at 11 he was doing that so he can take care of himself but Sirius came in you know kind of at the last minute and he's not really too aware of the fact that Harry can take care of himself so he's kind of got a like very traditional view of like I'm the adult you're the child (laughs) and you know the audience of course is going he's a 15 and b he's basically an adult mentally yeah. And we, having followed him, are aware that he's competent and also has run into people who are helping him out who's, you know, it's going well. You also, um, yeah, they, the other thing is that the adults in this situation don't know that Harry has adult help. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I've, I understand that, you know, he, he says he's okay and he's obviously doing all right enough to be able to write to us and things like that. But he's worried that Harry's, you know, settling for uh, just some terrible apartment somewhere and working three jobs to make ends meet when he doesn't really need to. Yeah. Yeah. And Remus tells him that he was actually considering trying to adopt Harry, but Mm -hmm. he realized that as a werewolf, that would probably be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was just looking at TV tropes and for That's dangerous. Well, because I was writing well, yes, it's dangerous. But somebody apparently in a different fic was giving Remus a reason you suck speech about how yeah, you're a werewolf, but the other days of the month you're perfectly fine, so why can't you adopt Harry? And they were going on and on and on and on and on. Um and I tried to read another fic and then got distracted. But anyway, the point being, I wish that somebody would have pointed this out to Remus. Well, I mean, it's werewolf. It's not Remus. It's law. No, I know. I know. And, and I also there think is that, in, you know, one or two days of the month that he is very dangerous. And so Remus I'm also, would not be able to forgive himself if he accidentally bit Harry. I'm yes, also but they know out. it's coming. They know when it happens. Remus could, like, I don't know. That would require the rest of the wizarding world to be logical and not prejudiced. And those are two things they don't do well at. So because um, Joe wrote um, Lycanthrop as a Lycanthropy as a um, chronic illness um, and as somebody who has a chronic illness, I will say that our culture is very anti-chronic illness as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. so if, if a culture is constantly on you saying, you know, essentially you're worthless, you can't do anything, you're a drain on the society, you should kill yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for years, you're not going to think yourself worthy enough to raise Harry. Right. Um, so I think this is a lot more to do with his self-esteem than anything. Mm, true. Um, he didn't have the self con he had just lost his entire universe. Oh, absolutely. And the only hope he ever had of ever being treated like a normal person. And in that moment, he gave up because he just, I don't think he was physically capable of fighting for Harry in that moment because he was too, he wasn't just grieving for his best friends. 
he was also grieving for his life and his potential and how far he could have mm-hmm. gone if he had, you know, champions of Lily and, and Sirius. And, you know, imagine if Lily and J- James had lived and Sirius had never gone to Azkaban and what, how far Remus could have gotten because mm, he had no. three friends who would have been behind him every step of the way saying, you can do it. You, you know, you're not worthless. And fighting, you know, society alongside Remus. Like it's and yet, and yet, no, despite how much what I'm, I'm just I I I think that people br- blame Remus for this far too much. And while I understand their point, it's you know it's not Remus's fault what happened to Harry. The only per- no. the, the the but people people kind of blame. I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying people in general. The fandom kind of in some ways blames Remus for not taking Harry in and you know it's just one of those things that it's like really sad because it's just like it wasn't his fault like what happened he was told that Harry was going to a good home the assumption was Harry was going to be taken care of and he was going to be warm and safe and you know then the if if somebody that you love somebody that you cared about was going to be warm and safe and, and okay then regardless of your your chronic illness or disability status, your need to fight for that kid is going to lessen because they might not be with you, but they're going to be with somebody who loves them. The only reason why people give Remus shit for this is because of 2020 hindsight. Mm-hmm. Nobody, yeah. and I, I mean, Dumbledore, we can blame all day long because Dumbledore knew where Harry was going. But, and McGonagall told him not to Ma- put him there. And McGonagall said not to, to, to put him there. Um, because I told you so ever. No. Um, I would love to see that. I would love to be a fly <laughs> on the wall. This is why most um, fics where Remus does end up adopting or otherwise taking care of Harry start with him finding out what life at the Dursleys is like. <laughs> right, because essentially the, the point is that, you know... You you you're not going to fight for the kid who's got the good happy home, right? Um, especially I mean, if there's no chance of you getting them because you're sick all the time, right? True, but I mean, as much as James and company supported Remus in the Shrieking Shack, we figure out that they didn't tell Remus that they switched because they, from what I gather, didn't trust him. They which, never said why. I know. So the assumption from Remus's point of view is that they didn't trust him, but Remus could have been on a mission. You know, there's like a million reasons why they didn't tell him because it could have been that Remus was on vacation even because it was days after they switched that, uh, that James and Lily were dead and Sirius was off to Azkaban. I think that it's canon that they knew that there was a traitor. They and of the ones that there could be a traitor, it was Peter who they didn't believe could be the traitor because Peter was the tag-along. House, tag-along. He would never have the guts to do it. Sirius or Remus. Yeah. And Remus thought it was Sirius. Sirius thought it was Remus. Nobody believed it was Peter. James and Lily didn't want to believe it was. Yeah, James and Lily didn't want to believe it was anybody. And they kind of switched to Peter to appease Sirius 
because I think Sirius was planning on trying to figure out who the traitor was. But that was also something we learned later in the in the series. That's not something that we knew at the point of this, uh, but this story. So that's the other thing is like you know, yeah. So I, I think it's it's a combination of you you know basically it could have been, at at this point it could have been any reason why you know they didn't tell uh, Remus about the switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and therein lies the big issue, <laughs> but I mean, also it's kind of inevitable because when somebody's endangering your child, you don't want to involve anybody who doesn't have to be involved. So, you know, apart from James, Lily, and Harry, the only two people who were involved, Dumbledore didn't even know, and Dumbledore was definitely trusted. So it wasn't a trust issue in my opinion. It was just the fact that, you know only the people involved were gonna know if it, if james would have been the secret keeper none of this would have happened yeah be your own secret keeper, i guess you i can. don't think so why not i i, I mean dumbledore's I, I secret know. keeper for the order yeah. right yeah. dumbledore is so would... there and arthur's secret keeper for the borough and bill is for shell cottage then there are idiots i'm not saying the older but i'm saying james is an idiot yes but that's a well-established thing about the character. <laughs> that James Potter's an idiot. Shocking. <laughs> so we have Remus and Sirius still talking. Remus is wanting, you know, talking about how he had thought about adopting Harry, but he wasn't sure. Uh, we have shoulda, coulda, would'ves. And, you know, Sirius is saying, you're not the only one that messed up. Do you think I'm proud of the way I handled things? I played right into Pettigrew's hands, and it's all water under the bridge. And Remus says, yes, we can't change the past, but what we need to do is find him. And providing that he forgives us, we're going to try to make things better. And then we switch back to... Well, we have now we have Stephen Wright, and this is the first time we've seen Stephen Wright. And I will say, Stephen Wright by far is hands down my favorite character in this story. I keep forgetting that most Americans wouldn't understand Britishisms, so I sat there for a minute going, (laughs) Why do you not get that? And then it dawned on you five minutes later, going, Oh. They haven't right. grown up reading Harry Potter for 10 years yeah. and <laughs> looking this stuff up because we're interested and in into fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, he is, he is such a, like, you know, inter- like, I don't know. He's a really interesting character, I think. Um, and he's very good with Harry. Um, anyway, so Stephen has arrived in the States. And it wasn't a smooth flight. There were lots of delays and turbulence. He's arrived from the States. From the yeah, States. Yeah, I was going to say. Sorry. Um, from the States. We, we've moved to America. And, and <laughs> everybody's moved to America. No. Um, so he's expecting, he's very, very late. He's expecting Kitty and Becky to be, like, completely worn out at this point and, and grouchy. And, oh, God, how are we going to deal with the, you know the train and and two kids and all my luggage um and it's just janet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because she has found a babysitter yeah i was yeah. skimming this and all i saw was the kids were missing and i'm sitting there going <laughs> oh shit <laughs> yeah, no. and, 
is mine. The kids are missing because he yeah. doesn't know that they're being and sat he... upon by Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. By no. And he says, when yeah. did you meet yeah. her? Yeah. And Janice's like, who? What? The babysitter. <laughs> oh, it's a guy, actually. It's Sparky, him. the kid who works at the inn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's over there. And she sort of points to where the leaky cauldron is. And, uh... It's a pub, but um, this is another American thing. Is pe- the word pub is does not directly um, translate to bar because it most pub, well, so most bars have so most bars are just bars. Most pubs are um, communal gathering places, so it's not just a place for all the guys to go after work for a pint. It's where you bring your family for a meal, or you know, you get the news there, or, you know. So it's not like it's there is a restaurant mm-hmm. area usually, and it's then a there's restaurant a restaurant that area. also serves alcohol. It's yes. not just a bar. People of all ages can go in. You just can't order alcohol if you're not of Under, age. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of them will also have places to stay. I don't think that's every pub, but obviously the Leaky Cauldron does. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of them... Was it just me, or did he... Because I would assume Steve would have flown into Heathrow, and then they would have gone to the Leaky... Well, quote-unquote, the Leaky Cauldron, which, by my recollection, took about an hour on the train. And so I'm trying to figure out how that would work in a car. When, when When did Heathrow ever happen in canon? I'm confused. I don't think she's thinking about canon. I think she's about... How it would work in real life. Oh, okay. I don't know. The The thing is, the leaky cauldron is kind of, like, iffy on location, so you just kind of have to, like... No, it's know. not. I went by it when I was in London. It's in Charing Cross somewhere. Yeah. They're talking about how she's sort of... Because Steve's, Steve's saying, you know, the kid line, Are we there yet? Yeah. Only doing it the adult way. How much further is it? And she says, oh, we're really close. And that she'd set up a little bit. And he said, I told you to wait. I was going to do it. And she said, well, I needed my kitchen and bathrooms and bedrooms set up. And I didn't have a whole lot of stuff to do except for to go down to the cauldron a couple times to uh, get pumpkin juice. So I had time to work on it. But I've left some stuff for you. Yeah. And he does not understand pumpkin juice either. Because why would you drink liquid squash? (laughs) But like pumpkin pie, dude. It's good. Yeah. And Tom is Did also... Did really you... not sell that? It's not sold. No. Because that would just be brilliant. It's not a thing. Well, I mean, it's it's being well, sold now. Well, you can now. buy it at the Wizarding World. Yeah. You can, you can buy that, it now. But... but it was not a thing before Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling invented it. Yeah. I, I have How a bottle of it sitting on my sold? counter. Because huh. she thought, you know, witches and wizards... Have a Pumpkin. big celebration around Halloween. Let's no, make but I mean, but Halloween a thing. Think to do this. It, it, it would be an. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure somebody came up with the idea and couldn't figure out the ingredients and such. And once you know, and J.K. Rowling popularized it. Mm, I suppose. There are a lot of other vegetables that are easier to make into juice. Mm-hmm. True. Like carrots yeah. and tomatoes. Putting a pumpkin in a juicer not necessarily easy. <laughs> But nope. we've had no. carrot and, and other juices before, and this is a unique thing. I think yes. Joe was looking for something unique. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And I think also the, 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 how hard it is like adds to it because it, it's something that has to be procured magically rather than the muggle way. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so, so they sneak in. They sneak in and Harry's passed out in a little ball. <laughs> Reading. Well, the bedding isn't even laid out or anything. Yeah. And so she kind of nudges him awake enough to get him uh, at least laying down and covered up a little bit. And Steve was uh, expecting like a yeah. 17-year-old. And he's ex- yeah. and he, he it looks like, you know, I'm sure Harry's like, you know, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's very mature for his age. And- he is. Although he has been f- filling out and getting taller now yes. he's, you know, being well-fed and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Yep. To quote Hermione, frankly, you've never been more fanciable. <laughs> yeah. And she's thinking about his birthday and, you know, he fi- she figured he already had plans, but she asked him if he minded an extra cake and he said, well, um, he just looked surprised for a second and said he hadn't, you know, he really hadn't, like he hadn't expected it. And so this paragraph... Smiled made me cry a little bit um, and it makes me tear up every single time. Well, that's just it. It was nothing he explicitly said or did. He just looked sort of surprised for a second, like he had what really hadn't been expecting that. I thought at first I'd messed up again and maybe kids don't have birthday cakes here in England, but he smiled at me. It's just like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so they're wondering if he's ever had a birthday party before. Yeah. yeah. And I can guarantee you he has nuts. Yeah, probably not. Wait, didn't the didn't the Weasleys do one for him? No, they did not. The only <laughs> canon birthday that we know of is that he got a cake from Hagrid when he turned 11. Really? They didn't do one? Oh. He has never had a canon birthday party from his friends. We did have um, whatever the party was in him. the backyard of the Weasleys where they were, you know, crashing tables together, but that yeah. wasn't a birthday party. It was just... No. It was kind of a birthday yeah. dinner, maybe? No, okay, it wasn't okay. even a birthday dinner. I uh, um, I don't even think they acknowledged... Because they had just arrived. They were just they eating outside because all... The, uh, it was during Goblet of Fire. All the Weasleys and Harry and Hermione would not fit inside at the Weasley right. dinner table. So they were eating outside because it, so, it was so nice out. Mm-hmm. We've had, like, he's gotten letters and stuff around his birthday but usually his mm. birthday he's still at the Dursleys and that's then he true. finally gets to leave afterwards that's true the only birthday where he was not at the Dursleys I believe um the um order arrived Actually, on um, his birthday. he okay. did have a birthday party for his 17th birthday yes well, yeah, that, that too yeah but, but that, that hadn't happened count? when this was written no wait so, when yeah. was the snitch cake was that what snitch cake he got a snitch cake no he did not Yes, he did. Uh, was it for his 17th birthday? I thought it was earlier. It may not be canon. I'm sure th- there has been a lot of fanfic where he's had good birthday parties. No, I guarantee you this is canon. Hmm. I do not remember a snitch cake. I don't remember the snitch cake. Hold on. How the um, heck do I Yeah, it's up? during the 17th birthday, I think, and the party's interrupted by Scrimjar. I thought the wedding was in- interrupted by Scrimjar. No, the no, wedding the wedding was Death Eaters. Death Okay, so Harry's 14th birthday. Birthday cake. Okay, so he gets a birthday cake from Ron, Harry, blah, blah, blah. Um, 16. Dumbledore's will. 
Okay, so the 16th birthday takes place on 31 July at the borough. Um, la, 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 la. Do they do anything? Hold on, I'm getting there. Remus Lupin comes. No, this is when they had dinner. And then they so the floor. Okay, Regardless, so this be... guys, this is all after this story. <laughs> the other thing. So why are we discussing this? Because... The cake was made by Molly Weasley to celebrate his 17th birthday. The cake was made in the form of a gold snitch. Oh, okay. that was so snitch cake okay. was definitely Hallows then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyhow, back to the fig. I have to find it. So they wanna they wanna uh they wanna call CPS because they're pretty I love this. Within two seconds the rights figure out that Harry Potter has been abandoned. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> like <laughs> seriously, strangers figure out that this kid's been abandoned, but his friends have no idea. <laughs> No preconception. I mean, McGonagall was pretty brilliant too. So between McGonagall and these two, like you would have on the world. Ages ago, I know, right? But they don't have any proof, so they're not really sure about it. Um, so they're not quite sure what to do. Uh, but I love the fact that so this is uh, another thing that I like. They're nerds, so. Um, <laughs> Janet goes. What am I supposed to say? I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> but then they also notice that there's something up when Janet wakes him up too when he yes. stiffens. No, they they know. definitely nobody know. else has figured this out. Yeah, they they within about two seconds of 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 knowing Harry Potter, Steve Wright figures shit out, <laughs> which is why I like Steve Wright so much. <laughs> and then you know you think Harry Potter is unobservant, Ron's damn unobservant too. Oh well, yeah, you know, no. we're talking about teaspoons here. Yeah, I know, I know. So we move to the next chapter. We gotta move this along, guys, or we're yeah, not gonna sorry. be done. Uh, we move to the next chapter, and we're with Hermione. She's got an owl. Thanks, mom. She's. <laughs> oh god, here's Hermione the, in this the, chapter. The, I wanted to. Oh. The first one is the super polite Dumbledore. You know. We have, you know, questions concerning Harry Potter. Do not be alarmed. Like, this is like the school letter. Like, your child is missing. Do not be alarmed. <laughs> How is Harry Potter doing? Like, you know, I'll, uh, we'll await your reply. It's like, is it, please respond immediately to this post. <laughs> and <Yeah>. then... <laughs> your parents are like, bad news, princess? And she's like, well, no, but something's up with Harry. He sounds all right, but he always, you know, sounds all right. He's been a little preoccupied. <laughs> and this is when we learned that he tried to ask her advice about babysitting, which she's yeah. never done. Right. And he's indignant that, you know, he's like, what There's do you mean something you don't know? doesn't know about? What? Yeah. <laughs> and then she remembers that Hermione's mother saw him recently, and she mentions that Harry has new glasses. Yeah. And contact mm-hmm. lenses. And then says, oh, I wasn't supposed to tell you that. He, yeah. he wanted to surprise you. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. And he went to the barber shop, so, like, he looks different. Um, he's gotten a makeover. Um, and so Hermione answers Dumbledore. And then as soon as Hercules flies off, she gets a letter from Ron. <laughs> Who is much less <laughs> circumspect. <laughs> You'll never guess what that stupid kid has done. <laughs> 
Professor Neverdale card this big meeting. We just got back from Hogwarts. You know how Harry's been writing to us saying he's working and everything's fine? His relatives moved to Australia. It's <laughs> <laughs> the point where Hermione's been calling the Dursleys and not getting a response and hasn't done anything about that? Or have we She's not never called the Dursleys. Harry's never c- called her. Harry has called her once at this point. No, I no, swear it, to God. It does say, um, just a minute later, like, it says... That would explain why Harry's phone number isn't in service. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause, oh, right. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, she tried to call him back at one point, and, he, and, and she got, like, the out of service. And she didn't do anything. Right. And she just thought that, well, because she, she thought that there was trouble with the phone line, and she was going to call again in the morning. Because this was the 90s, dear. Where phones went down all well, the time. Well, I mean, it wasn't, like, out of question for phones to go down. They did, I wouldn't say they went down all the time. I'm just saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Back, back, in the, back in the day, if you got an out of service, you would just call back tomorrow, especially if you knew the number. And she's like, what does this mean? Did he refuse to leave with them? Did they leave him behind? Was that why he's working? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hermione, what do you think? <laughs> Where is he calling from then? Hotel? Flat? Public phone? Probably a public phone. And so she's going to check the number next time he calls. Yep, and so Harry's... Um, the caller ID is going to say the leaky cauldron. <laughs> I don't know if caller ID existed yet. When was that in Wimbledon? I don't think it did. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't. it didn't. Yeah, I know. But that would be fun, though. Also, I'm sure even if it had been invented, I don't think the leaky cauldron would have signed up. Nope. It would no. have been an uh, unknown number. We have to go to... And then we have Harry... Waking up the next day, and he's like, hmm, my His default is, it's a spider. And he's, like, not, like, even scared about it. He's just like, hmm, spider. Yeah. It's best to stay still when they're around, because then they won't bite, because he won't frighten them. And then he realizes, no, it's too warm and soft, and the arm is cooler, so something's a little bit different. must be outside of the blanket. And then he realizes, oh, this this isn't legs, this is hair. It must be patches. And then there's giggling. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> that just doesn't giggle. <laughs> that you know of. We're giggling. Yeah. Ah, uh, it is Kitty and Becky. Yay. Yeah, you could have just given me a shake. Oh, but this is so Harry goes, fun. what if I sneezed? Ugh, it's not. <laughs> and the, and and the girls Harry will never been... do that again. Yeah. Harry's whole plan was to wait for Janet and then walk back to the leaky cauldron. Yeah. But right, because he didn't want to fall asleep and maybe have a nightmare. Well, poor Harry. And his gla- his contacts are stuck to his eyes because he's fallen asleep Ooh. with them in. Ouch, They're uncomfortably ouch, ouch. dry. Ouch. But he doesn't. That's but he doesn't want to take them out because the rights don't realize he has green eyes. Yep. You've never seen him without them. <laughs> Oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. And, but then uh, the the right girls look a little mischievous, so he is now questioning them on what you two are up what they're up to. And then it switches to Arthur, who's at the ministry. Yeah, he's yep. had a busy morning. And he's... Uh... He's, he's <laughs> gone untold, uh, Remus and Sirius, that Harry's mystery employment was babysitting. Yeah. <laughs> well, not exactly. Because they've heard that from Hermione. Yep. Uh, and Sirius says, oh, of course. I can't believe you were so worried, Moody. I knew it all along. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah. You can just picture Mooney like in the corner with his tea in the paper, like going, "Yes, I was the one who was worried." <laughs> mm-hmm. Now you just have to apologize to Harry. Yeah, and Arthur's uh, sees Amos Diggory, and he's shuffling through papers. Uh, yeah, and he's you know he feels a little bad about Amos because he used to be real enthusiastic and stuff and really devoted to Cedric, and now he's. Well, a bit yep. of a bore. He's just kind of continuing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's he's surprised to, to see Arthur, and uh, Arthur explains he's waiting to see Percy so he can get an appointment with the minister. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, yep. dun. Yeah. Amos thinks he should be very proud. And yeah. uh, Arthur does the really polite, yes, of course we are. It's just like, don't talk about it further because that's angst. Mm-hmm. Because he was a, kind of expecting Percy to get demoted after everything went wrong with Barty Crouch, and now he's assistant to the minister, right. and that seems really fast. So he's thinking Sludge has ulterior motives, which is true. Which I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And Amos is, you know, thinking about Cedric, and Arthur's saying, "Don't do this to yourself." Yeah. You know, Harry's my youngest friend's best friend. I know. He is nothing like to paper say. Yes, because Amos is trying to. Uh, he's he's trying to make Arthur feel better and say, you know, you realize that Harry is not like the papers. And Arthur's like, yes, of yeah. course I realize that. I wasn't thinking yeah. he was. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, Arthur, nice uh, Amos, Amos about, yeah, how kind and um and giving Harry is. Um, mm-hmm. And how Harry had, even through his grief and shock, had uh, explained what had happened. Mm-hmm. And Amos is trying to think yeah. of, uh, he's thinking about putting on a memorial for Cedric and wondering if Harry might like to come. And he says, Arthur says, yes, I'm sure he would, but uh, we might have to go through Professor Dumbledore just to, for security. Uh, <laughs> Will they ever? And, and then he drops the bombshell that there's a kid that looks a lot like Harry Potter. Diagon Alley, but it's not him. Uh, Diagon Alley. Yeah. yeah, it's not him. His eyes are darker, and he doesn't wear glasses, and he's taller and a bit more filled out. Yeah. Basically, all the things that might happen if you've been working for a summer. Yeah. Well, also, you know, getting proper meals and, you know, other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Arthur's like, well, I'll keep an eye out for him because Ron and I are going to go there for lunch today. Yep. So then he meets with. He goes into per- Percy's office and and he asks Percy to lunch. Um, and he, um, you know, Percy's just like, well, you don't need to meet, meet the minister. Why just request this, you know, his census library and archive folder on Monday? And it's like, well, Harry's folder is sealed because of his status, and we need approval from the Weisengamot and the minister's office to access it. Um, and Percy, you know, doesn't want to go let them skirt you know the proper channels right in order to do it even though it's an emergency and this is the one that i love percy's like well i was a prefect and then had that boy and he got away with murder i'm just like are you what what reality were you in dude well he's not wrong he did get away with murder Uh, no but i mean even like you know I mean, he got his own broom when first years weren't supposed to. He got that is away actually, with... actually... Yeah. Okay. You know, he got away with being all sorts of places he wasn't supposed to. 
He was never caught. Well, the only every time he got caught by by somebody, he got points taken off and massive detentions. No, not when he got the philosopher's stone. Oh well, yeah, but that was also because. Well, you know that was that was the secret that nobody knew about. Not when he saved Ginny. So it's kind of like the rule of if you tell somebody, you know, there's this dangerous thing that you know the fire's going to break out. And then nobody listens. And then you say, again, the fire's going to break out. And nobody listens. And then you go in and put out the fire. Even though you're not supposed to be in the house. Because it would be trespassing or whatever. Even though it's breaking the rules. No one's going to press charges. Because yes, you but did, this is you, No, no, no. You did mor- morally the right thing. So what I'm saying is. I'm not saying. I, I understand that you're arguing on behalf of Percy. But he's not. He's, he's wrong here because the, the the way percy is framing it is that Percy that harry gets away with all this stuff you know well yes he was out of bounds when he went to go see the philosopher get get the or rescue the philosopher's stone but he also nearly died like think of yeah. what injury but to percy's thinking because percy is, is very fastidious. you are you are not gonna convince me of percy's thinking percy's i'm not the, saying no, I'm, 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 I'm just I'm, pointing I'm, out I'm just saying that I I will spend my dying breath <laughs> arguing against Percy Weasley mostly because I grew up with a household full of Percy's and they don't know jack shit about anything. But what I'm saying is that Percy, from Percy's point of view, perfect Percy, it looks like Harry's gotten away with some of these things because in Percy's mind, he shouldn't have been able to do these things because perfect Percy would not have done them. So, because perfect Percy would not have done them, nobody should have done them. Well, I also think... And yes, it's true that Harry didn't get away with these things, or he got away with what he needed to get away with. But in Percy's mind, he's being influenced by the minister, he's being influenced by Umbridge, and he's being influenced by Rita Skeeter. And according to Percy, everything Harry's done has been Trump. I'm just... I'm... I'm I'm just... I'm I'm agreeing with you. I... I'm just saying that in Percy's mind, Percy pisses me there's off. A difference. Well, yeah, Percy's Percy. That's his job. He's supposed to piss you off more than most. I think. I and think. Then I gets, think. And I then he gets Fred killed, and that pisses you off even more. So Percy doesn't have a chance. I, I think Percy that pisses wasn't me Percy's off. Percy's fault. It was Percy's fault. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Percy pisses me off more just because I had the childhood that I had. Percy became a person once Fred died because it woke him up to the fact that there are other perspectives that he has to consider in this world. And, but this, at this stage in canon, and I, the author is, by the way, dead on on how Percy acts. So kudos to the author. Yeah. Very good on the characterization. But Percy at this point is the kind of person that I just, I can't sit around and let people just be like, well, from Percy's perspective, no. From a, from an inhuman person's perspective, yes, you know Harry did break the rules, but that's basically like saying, well, the computer said that you broke the rules, so you have to be punished. It's just like, well, no, because there's such a thing as mitigating circumstances. <laughs> there are, there's such a thing as self defense. There's such a thing as you know the fate of the universe was writing on this. <laughs> you know, you break the rules when it matters, and Harry only really breaks the rules when it matters. Um, and and to be fair, you know, a lot of the times it matters to him, but it, that's also because 
people matter to Harry. Well, I could bring up public schools, but I won't because we've only got what two yeah, chapters, I'm just, and I'm just... we need to get a whole bunch more done in fifteen minutes. So we're going to table this, <laughs> and we're going to get going because I have to be able to go out and bury a child. Okay. Yes. So, Every week we learn more about how this fix speaks to Cass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes. Sorry. And we know it does. It's her favorite, but we're going to have to move along. <laughs> yes. So un- after an unfortunate conversation with Percy where basically Arthur decides that they can't talk about this and decide he's going to leave and he'll have to find another way to get around things because Percy is obviously not listening. We shift back to the Wright's house and Stephen Wright has woken up and he isn't quite used to being here yet. He's sort of going, okay, where am I? Okay, I'm in London. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not in Kansas anymore. Toto. And Janet's there, and then they start smelling breakfast, and they're like, "Oh no, the girls are going to do breakfast in bed again. What do we do?" Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out Sparky's got them in hand. Yeah, so. I don't think I was allowed to cook by myself. At well, it's really, it's really Sparky's making breakfast. Well, Kitty's yes, I know, but stirring, and Becky's the assistant. Yeah, she's fetching glasses and things. Yes. No, she's yes. not even and allowed to rush do that. downstairs yeah. and are peeking in through the door, and they realize that uh, Jim has it in under control, yeah. and so they kind of back up a bit and then make a little bit more noise. They hear him coming, so they're not they don't get caught spying on them, basically. Yep. <laughs> and so um, Kitty then gets down the sugar and does not use two hands. And so spitter, sugar spills everywhere, and you know, oh dear, Harry Harry doesn't have the correct uh, grammar to teach a, a six year old, um, you know how how to not you know to use two hands. Um, so um, Kitty's about older. to cry. Okay. Sorry, not not six, she's like eight, something like that. She's young. Mm. Um, she's like primary school aged. Um, and so, yeah, so, um... Harry actually Becky, manages to catch yeah. the sugar bowl as yeah. she's dropping it. Proper to do that. Yeah, maybe both hands would be better. And so Kitty's about to cry, and Becky then goes to get the broom and smacks Harry in the, straight in the nose with the broom. Mm-hmm. And Accidentally. Janet is about to, like, go in, and Steve stops her because he wants to see what happens. Ever the scientists, <laughs> and they're all like the little kids are concerned over Sparky, and they, um, you know, Jim's kind of doing the very adult like, I'm fine, just give me a minute, like, just give me a second. Yeah, give me a minute. I just need to breathe for a second. Just need I to need remember to how to breathe. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then we make sure that he's going to get hazardous pay now, according to Steve. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, Becky is now crying because uh, Harry's hurt. And um, that, of course, stops Harry from hurting because he's now all concerned about Becky. Um, and, right. Becky and he immediately knows exactly what to say to her. Yeah. I'm not angry and I still like you. I know that it was an accident. And I don't believe you hit me just to be mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it feels like there's some sort of, you know, 
telepathic legitimacy thing going on here. I did not read it as that. I don't know. I read it as Harry has was that little kid, and his aunt and uncle thought it was intentional um, when he hit hit them like that. Um, and so it's more of like an experience thing that Harry knows it wasn't intentional. True, but I don't. I'm kind of with Scott, and I'm not quite buying that Harry would know what to say. Hmm. I feel. I don't know. I feel like a lot of how Harry reacts to people is based on his treatment at the Dursleys. No, I get that. But, like, being, you know, getting the treatment from the Dursleys is one thing. But then to know how to react... To a little kid? Yeah. The right way... There's a difference between saying, I I don't want to do that, and knowing what you want to do instead. Yeah, I guess. But it's it's possible you're right. That might... That might make sense. It's just, it might be a combination uh, of the two things that, like, Harry picked up on, like, a strand of emotion and, like, ran with it. Mm-hmm. Steve's just very confused because um, he's he did that so quickly. He immediately yeah. knew exactly why she was crying, and she hasn't said anything other than just to be crying. Yeah. And his guess is is their telepathic powers and thinks, well, no, obviously that's science fiction, but we as readers know magic does exist. So it's, mm-hmm. as far, we he, haven't seen anything yeah. of Harry being telepathic, but you know. And then he distracts them with the ball because yeah. he has an idea for he it. He starts to make it and then he says, Ooh, I think I got a new trick. Yeah. And he makes they start making little, the colors swirl yeah. together. And now the rights are outside the door going, uh, what was that? (laughs) And then we switch to Snape going to the headmaster's office uh, because the Dark Lord has given him instructions. Indeed. And we overhear the last half of a conversation between Arthur and Dumbledore about having talked to Percy and how badly that went. Yeah. And they didn't think, oh, God. (laughs) And they thought it would work. Head desk, yeah. head desk, head desk. Nope. They're just... Well, I think Arthur's also trying to, like, be idealistic about his son. Mm-hmm. I don't think he realized just how completely Percy was into the whole ministry line at this point until that conversation. Yeah. Right. And they're talking about the service for Cedric, and they should accept on Harry's behalf. Because they can't just ignore it, and nobody knows where Harry is, so they're not really sure what to do. Yeah. Dumbledore decides to send a tentative acceptance because he's sure Harry would want to go if he knew about it, and he's hoping they should have found him by the time this happened. By then, yeah, yeah, because then school's right. about to start. That you know, they're they're hoping by the end of the summer they're gonna be able to know where Harry is. Oh, that would make oh, that would be interesting. And um, then Snape comes in, and um, then um, Albus knows he heard, and Snape admits to it and basically says, you, no, you need to obliviate him, which is the smartest thing I've heard Snape say all thick. Like, nope, doesn't matter. You, obli- like, this is war. Doesn't matter. Obliviate him. Mm-hmm. And... Alba says that's too likely to be noticed by the minister. But anyway, what were you actually here to talk about? Yeah. And Snape goes into the information that he's found. And the, the potions that he needs to um, brew. And apparently he, there's going to be a massive attack 
Mm-hmm. Right. And one of them is colloquially known as jailbreak juice. So they're wondering if, does this mean he's going Azkaban after Azkaban instead? instead? Yeah. But he's playing it close to the vest and nobody knows exactly what he's got planned because he doesn't ever give anybody all the details. He gives certain people certain details so that nobody really knows what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. And it turns out Dumbledore is really tired at the moment because he's been pulling an all-nighter. Yeah. Verifying and, facts and trying to find Harry, and there's a lot going on. And we learned that Dobby's errand that he was on for Dumbledore was siphoning off the memories of number four Privet Drive, which wizards can't easily do, but house elves being more uh, intrinsically tied to locations know how to figure this out. And which it's been, I love. Distilled into this barrel of house memories. <laughs> right. Because it I all lasts for as long as the building has been there. Before it, I, I figured out that he hadn't gone to Harry to get them, because that's what I was thinking. I wasn't no, yeah. putting it together that he went to the house, and I'm like, how did he do that? And Harry didn't know, you know. Yeah, he went to number but, four and went to Mrs. Well, Spence. Once I figured that out. Um, which I, I just like the idea because houses do retain something when you're in there yeah. for a really long time. So I do like the idea of, you know, a house having all this, all these memories of Harry being hit. Um, mm-hmm. and this is where, uh, Snape having, you know, different perspective comes in useful. Yeah. Dumbledore has so far managed to verify the specific night that Harry disappeared. And yes, what Sirius and Remus figured out was pretty much the same as what happened. And everybody missed that Harry was starting to say Uncle Vernon will be likely be angry. Angry. Mm-hmm. Right. And they go mm-hmm. in and find that. And D- Dumbledore found it first. So this, this is a situation of, you know, Dumbledore actually being smart uh, yeah. and noticing things. Uh, and Snape notices as well. And then Dumbledore says, well, the next thing I was going to do is try and look through and find some sort of evidence of how Harry was treated while he was there. But there's so much that you have to be very specific when you're drawing out the memories. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he, Dumbledore has tried, um, what was it here? Um, he's, he's looked for, uh, when has, has, times that Harry's been beaten and not found anything, and Snape suggests, uh, try times that he's been struck, and yeah. there's a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Huge, yeah, scoople. Mm-hmm. And then they go on and discuss further things, um, such as... They talk about the basilisk. Yeah, well, the, ba- the basilisk thing, and, and Snape is shocked that it pierced Harry to the bone. Um, and yet he survived. And yet he survived. <laughs> yeah. Long how, enough to... Because <laughs> Elvis starts off with a hypothetical. It's like, how long do you think it would take for someone to be killed by basilisk venom with an actual, you know, if they were if they were actually bitten, given the strength of yeah. this poison that you've, um, that you've harvested from the Chamber of Secrets? And he says, five maybe five minutes for a full-grown full man. And he's like, what about, you know, a 12-year-old? Uh, seconds? What? <laughs> yeah. No. And they start to put together that Harry is not, or if he is sick, he gets better really fast. Yep. And when he gets injured, he gets better really fast. Like overnight, like 
which makes the three, which, I mean, does track with, like, hints that we get in canon, which makes the, the whole three days at the very, uh, at, during first year thing, like, oh, dang, yeah, no, Harry was really badly injured, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. And they they find, this is when they do, you know, look for things, times when Harry was struck by his muggle relatives and they discover a time that we've already seen in earlier chapters when uh, Petunia slaps him and they notice that when Harry's, you know, crying and puts his hands up to his face, when they come away again, the part that was under his hand is not red anymore. So he's obviously got some kind of intrinsic healing healing going on. And Dumbledore is not sure how he's ever going to tell Sirius about this. Yeah. (laughs) It won't go well. No, no. If if any of them find out about the specific memories. (laughs) No, it won't go well. It won't go well. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. And then we move to the next chapter and we're back to the rights and they're like, you saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, There's magic going tell on. Tell me you saw something. She doesn't have any pockets in those pajamas, and it wasn't on the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is this chapter is called "Be Careful What You Ask For," Part One of Two. So, it's, yeah, ooh, interesting things might happen. And, and they're trying to think. Okay, if this was a physical object, where did it go? Where did they get it from? <laughs> where did it go? Um, well. It looks like our daughter can produce and dispose of white light on demand, and the babysitter can make it change color. Becky, too, if I'm reading her correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Kitty doesn't want them to know. Yeah, she seems really nervous. Like, so now what? Well, well, we better come downstairs and have breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Thunk, 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 thunk. <laughs> oh, wonderful morning. First time Good we're morning. coming down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, Parky got a boo-boo. <laughs> yeah, back Becky whacked him in the face with the broom. It didn't mean to. Yeah. No. And Janet immediately asks if he's all right, which is weird for him. And he says, yeah, I'm fine. It was just an accident. Becky was upset when she realized what happened. And he reverts to ma'am, which I thought was an interesting beat. Because he's very comfortable with Janet at this point, but you know, it, it's I don't know if it's Steve's in the room or or what. Like Quite possibly, it's probably yeah that Steve's in the room. But he's you know yes, ma'am. Yeah, and then uh, Becky says, "Needs kisses, mommy kisses, make it better." And, yeah. <laughs> yes, the magical cure all. It's like okay, fine. Uh, and so Janet puts so a kiss on her fingers and then puts it on uh, Jim's uh, nose. nose, yeah. Yeah. Because mommy's spit has healing qualities. Yes. Yes. Also an emergency <laughs> facial cleanser. Yes. <laughs> and, now and this the is the first time the girls realized that he was here. That daddy's home. Yeah. <laughs> daddy, daddy, Mom, daddy. Poor daddy. <laughs> yeah. And Harry is apparently cooking something delectable. It smells like it's just about done. And yep. she's about to ask him how much longer it needs. And he notices his wistful expression looking at um, Steve yeah. and the girls. Yeah. Mm, Harry. Aww. Yeah. 
Kitty wants a. And then, Mommy, Dad, will you make me a cup of hot cocoa? Sure, sweet. Poof, you're you're a, cup a cup of hot cocoa. cocoa. <laughs> and I love the fact that Harry like thinks this is hilarious, and the Wrights mm-hmm. don't understand why this is hilarious. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Janet. I can just imagine. Uh, We've got to go coming up to Harry in class saying, make, Potter, make me this. Poof, you're this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably get points for learning the uh, advanced transfiguration at that point. <laughs> and they get the official introduction while um, Janet gets the fixings for Coco because Steve doesn't know where anything is in this kitchen yet. Yep. And then he's starting to put it together and she and officially they, introduces them yeah and then we jump to minerva mm-hmm. or minerva her american friend abigail penstone from the bronx uh, minerva <laughs> from the salem witches institute which in yep. this universe is still a school <laughs> we didn't know nope and so they have these kids that have just transferred over there and I don't know if I should send them a letter or if you guys should send them a letter because they're definitely witches, which we already knew. But isn't it too early? Well, they're just trying to get things figured out. And the older one's getting up. Yeah, I think Kitty is 10 at this point, so she will yeah. be getting a letter soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they talk about how Hogwarts is primarily a boarding school, but they have made arrangements in the past with children that need special, you know. A special situation. And, oh, speaking of muggle-born uh, students, I just got these back from the printer, and maybe I should send you some, because these work really, these look like they're going to work really well for the muggle-borns. And it's not like a location-based, so apparently it works well in America, too. Mm-hmm. Which we also didn't know about back then, but yeah. What? We didn't know that it had only, by the time Harry starts going to school, it had only been less than 30 years when I'm, wizards could associate with No, I'm saying there's a, there, there's, there's a difference between America and, and England. No, I know. Well, never mind. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm not saying wizarding worldwide. I'm just saying physically there's a difference between America oh, and England. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. But Minerva says it's it's good enough. You can see whether it's good enough to modify for your program. So obviously yeah. there, there are things they'd probably have to change, but not, it's a good not major general thing. introduction to magic exists. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm just imagining the news gets out that Harry wrote this. I mean, they'd be selling like hotcakes. <laughs> Everybody will want yeah, that song. No, but the news would, would never get out that Harry no, I know. this. It'll always be under Jim Patterson, and it'll just yeah. be like, you know, the secret and of even Jim two. Patterson wanted to be anonymous, so. Yeah. So Harry is sitting at the rights table watching how a real family interacts. And, uh, and it's not... I know we've had the Weasleys before as well, but this is... It's not the chaos of the... More yeah. of a muggle family. Well, it's also, it's not the chaos of the Weasleys because it's not the size of them, and there's also not Fred and George in there. Um, it's just kind of, like, a, it's normal. It's not like, you know, the with the Dursleys, they always were, like, trying to be better than, you know, normal. So they were, like, always dressed for breakfast and, you know, never in their dressing gowns or anything like that. Um, right. so, and, and this is, you know, kind of just a, un, this is a normal, like, 
kind of it's casual. It's casual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting that other people eat breakfast in their pajamas. Yeah, depends on whether you have to go somewhere right away afterwards. I mean, I bring my breakfast to work and then eat breakfast there, but that's also because I get up so early. So everybody eats breakfast differently. Mm-hmm. It's just you know. On weekends, I put on my sweatpants and, depending on the weather, a light coat over my pajamas and go over to breakfast unless I need to be somewhere or the handy kids coming early because I try to be dressed before the handy kid gets here. <laughs> Doesn't always happen, but I try. So. And Harry's feeling particularly sensitive because he got whacked with a broom and it seems to extend to like, he's got spidey senses going and there's some sort of weird undercurrent of concern from Janet and Steve and he doesn't know what this is about. So he's trying to be very um, inconspicuous. Yeah. And not talk really and let the little kids uh, uh, take up all their Janet and Steve's attention. Um, He can't help but be a little longing because Steve is, you know, twirling Kitty in the air and tossing Becky up. And, you know, he's never had that. Or at least he was too young to really remember it. Yeah. To remember any of that stuff. And when she brings over Steve to introduce him, still got the spatula in his hand. And there's this awkward moment. But Steve sort of jokes and says, oh, I see we have the same tailor sweats and T-shirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's still processing that they, you know, rushed into the room when um, Becky started crying, but then were, you know, nice and helpful and caring about things instead of yelling. And it's just strange. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Harry. Yeah. But then Steve brings up, oh, I hear you're on the house team. Yes, sir. Well, tell me about it. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, uh... yeah, because with. Janet, who was able to get away with sports ball and just not address yeah. it, but and and uh, but Steve kind of saves himself because he says soccer, and so Janet reads Harry's uh as it's called association football here, dear. <laughs> what do they call American football here? Ridiculous. Ridiculous? <laughs> yeah. And Harry here. just doesn't really know what to say still. Hey, man, I like American football. <laughs> I don't understand American football. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I like to play, says Steve. I like to watch. I like to coach. But, so Harry starts using the few details he's picked up from Dean, who's an well, apparently Dean football fan. Has, um, has organized casual games um, can on school that. grounds. Um, he's gotten oh, yeah. a, a, fo- a football Onto Hogwarts property, and I wonder just if like, they used the Quidditch pitch. I suppose they could, but I imagine there are other broad, grassy areas too. Yeah, you know the track area <laughs> that, that, that all the fanfics have when Harry decides to <laughs> right. buff up and has to go jogging. Yeah, that's just so. he just runs around the lake because yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's always a thing around the lake. But. It's a big lake to run around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's just I can't remember which one it was that I was reading now, but some somebody has like tried to for their own set of fix has picked a specific like loch in Scotland and said like these ones all exist. This specific one uh is actually shrunk down and just what is our deepest point is where the lake is and the rest is Hogwarts. And, <laughs> yeah. 
it's interesting. But anyway, they, they sort of talk about soccer a little bit and as well, you know, I'm, I'm not really that good. We just sort of practice and do basic skills every now and then we don't, we don't have a summer coach or a training program. And Steve says, well, you know, if, if you want to get more fit, I can help out because that's one of his things that he enjoys as well, apparently. And Janet says, you've just signed on to be his latest victim. And Harry blinks owlishly. But I, what? I think Harry is also kind of pleased. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then they try and get him to recommend touristy spots to go. And he's like, well, I've never been to any of them, so I don't know. I went to I've a been zoo to once. the zoo. <laughs> yeah. A zoo. He went to the Surrey Zoo. Mm-hmm. And Becky's like, no news, no museums. I don't like museums. They're boring. I'm with Becky. Depends on the museum. would be too, except that most of my boredom comes from the fact that I can't read the damn labels. I so don't I like can't museums. figure out what I'm looking at. Mm-mm, don't like museums. Yeah. I want to go actually, I don't want to look at the history of a place because you can always look up that up online. I want to experience a place. Hmm. Well, yeah, I enjoy too. museums some, particularly if they have adequate seating. A lot yeah. of like museums and art galleries... Um, they're getting better about it generally, but, um, yeah, there are a lot of big empty rooms with things on the walls and you just sort of, you can only stand for so long before it becomes a physical issue. Uh, but yeah. And then you do that for long enough, you know, you, you mm-hmm. have to sit down. Tired feet are cumulative. Of time and not they don't like reset. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. They are. Oh. So are tired knees. So we move on to chapter 27. I believe this is going to be our last chapter. Of the night. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you ask for part two. Part two. And Hermione is Hermione. off her, like, off the chain. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> she's angry. <laughs> I love that the one thing he's, she's concerned about is, how has he kept up with his homework? Is he eating? Is he yeah. Hiding all stuff? He's lost and he's working and nobody knows where but he's doing his homework. Well, but the thing is, oh I love the fact that everyone's concentrating on he's lost. I'm like, well, he knows where he is. It's not like, you know, nobody mm-hmm. can find him. He personally but he knows where lost. he is. He's just in hiding. <laughs> and, and Ron's like, yeah. <laughs> Ron's not worried about the homework. Ron's worried about the fact that, you know, we're supposed to be best friends and he doesn't trust us. <laughs> And and Hermione that. actually has figured this out. Professor Dumbledore like, told you know, Harry it would be safer like, if he didn't you know. contact us. He thinks he's protecting us. Yeah. He made Harry promise. Yeah. Right. Harry and doesn't you know break promises, promises anyway, go. and if he thinks he's going to endanger us, you're not getting anything. Nope. Yeah. So because yeah, so which is I'm I, Hermione hit the proverbial nail on the head is. Harry didn't come forward because he was afraid he was going to endanger somebody, and because he oh, thought he was going to endanger somebody. I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily Griffin. It's just that's Harry. No, Dumbledore. Oh, Dumbledore. Oh, I thought you said Gryffindor. Mm. No, Dumbledore. There are many rhyming names in the Potterverse. Yeah. So Tom brings him some fish and chips, which I think is so funny because Tom knows exactly what's mm-hmm. going on. Says nothing. <laughs> Well, he's a good bartender. He doesn't share. Yeah. Problem. Other people's problems. Yeah. Well, it's also, he's kind of promised Harry, like, that he'd talk to Harry mm-hmm. about and, and about Harry said that forward. he would, but in his own time. So um, Tom's letting it be for now. Yeah. And then they run into 
two wonderful examples of journalistic integrity. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Thaddeus, uh, yep. old prince. He's slightly Thaddeus more Thaddeus factual Princeton. and trustworthy than Regis Skeeter, for an example, yeah. but the sensitivity of a brick. <laughs> and then the photographer yeah. who was with Gilderoy two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this sorted out. We're going to go into uh, Diagon Alley and try to find this kid that looks like Harry. Yeah. And then the rights come in. Yeah. All of that. And then the rights come in. Speak of the devil. And I like the the first line is, oh, look at that cute baby. Her hair is just like Harry's. Yeah. Don't be daft. Harry doesn't have curls. It just, just sticks up, up in the back. back. It's like, that's what curls are, stupid. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Rather like that bloke. You think? Can't tell for certain. And then the, the old Prince Tons goes and grabs him and spins him around and knocks yeah. Harry off balance good. while he is holding a baby, which is not good. Yeah, right. Because you know these people mm-hmm. are stupid. And every, Harry is like falling over, holding Becky and doing his best to like shield her somehow. Yeah. So protect her. There's a fo- photograph of him basically like curling into like Becky to make sure that she doesn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And Arthur grabs his wand, thinking he's gonna cast something, but uh, Tom and the father rush forward and catch the boy before he and the baby crash. Yep. And then we have dead silence as the mother rushes over. And then and... Princeton looks a little sheepish, and and then starts with his question, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my God, really? You're really gonna ask?" <laughs> Yeah, and then Janet lays into him. This is wonderful. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? How dare you just grab him? Someone could have been hurt. Yeah. Channeling Molly Weasley. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... I'm terribly sorry. It was mistaken identity. We thought... It doesn't matter. Because it's been established by pretty much everybody else in the bar that that's not mm-hmm. Harry Potter. And Janet that's says, even if it was Harry Potter, where do you get off treating somebody like that? And Arthur, you know, flashes back to Gilderoy, and it's like, huh, right. we did all just stand around while he got his picture taken, didn't we? This is not great. <laughs> <laughs> just like, we really kind of treated Harry like crap. Crap. <laughs> the public shit. has a right to, to know, and it's like, no, the public doesn't have a right to know. It's a child. And Tom says, if you aren't a- capable of finding a newsworthy yeah. story without assaulting innocent bystanders, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> hey, Tom. Technically, mm-hmm. this is battery, but, you know, we won't go there. Yeah, They don't know legal crap. The Wizarding World does yeah. not have a great legal system. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. No, it's doesn't. very, Whatever, gave you that very idea. Victorian. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, yeah, that Arthur wants to introduce them. And he's hoping to go talk to them about being muggles, but then they're leaving. And yeah. oh, dear. oh dear. He thought they were going to stay for lunch, but they were just coming to fill up their pumpkin juice and drop off Jim. Yep. Yeah. For work. Who disappears. Arthur's going to catch up to Go him on Diagon Alley somewhere so he can ask uh, about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he disappears. Because Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Go out as if he's going into Diagon Alley, then come back in through the delivery door and go up to his room. So nobody knows where he went. 
And Harry immediately thinks, oh, no, I'm getting fired because why not see the worst in everything? Uh, yeah. So he cu- he checks in with Cassie really quick and gives him the lowdown on what mm-hmm. he He's not going to have her. a chance to bring her mirror back just um, yet. And then, but um, I can, I'll get to you as soon as yeah. I can. Um, because a reporter from the Daily Prophet thought he saw Harry Potter and made mm-hmm. a scene. Right. And then Cassie's apparently heard enough of this. It's n- now apparently so common in the alley oh, that yep. everybody's Somebody tired of it. Jim again. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> rural eyes. <laughs> yep. It's become this thing. It's become a thing. Hmm. I just imagine everybody in the alley figuring out that Jim is Harry and Harry is Jim. It'll be fun. <laughs> right. This is all turning Jekyll and Heidi. I don't think it's so much Jekyll and Heidi is just the no. fact that, like, everybody has this idea of Harry and it's nothing like the reality. So Tom comes up and knocks on the door and Harry's like, oh, that was faster than I thought it was going to be. And Tom says, I've had a nice talk with Mr. Harry's like, Mr. Weasley? He's like, yeah. Wait, did, I, uh... did Arthur not show up? Arthur, no. So I mean, Arthur's in the alley with Ron and Hermione, and they're looking for Jim. Right. Oh. I could have sworn he came but, in with, okay, never mind. No, he doesn't come in with him, but he's been talking to Tom about what's going on. Yeah. And now Tom's yeah, come up to have. Arthur asked with Tom if he'd seen Harry Potter this mm-hmm. summer. And Tom finally said, yes, I saw him on July 1st, <laughs> and then didn't go any further, because yeah, that was as much as Arthur yeah. already knew. Didn't, yeah. didn't expand right. on what happened after. Yeah. And, and he says, I thought you've been, you know, so, well, I told them I was get, I got a job, and I told and Professor Dumbledore everything I've seen through my scar. That's all the important stuff. <laughs> That's well, I think not it's also, what he's asking. I, no, I think, it, you, you know, it, I told them everyone I, about getting a job. I reported everything I've seen through my scar. I even told them my aunt and uncle moved. And it's just like, that doesn't tally, like, what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically, like, it comes out that um, that nobody knows Harry is there. Right. And I think this is something where it's, like, once again, Harry's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about everybody else. So he's still stuck on if he's anywhere else but there. Well, for one thing, if he's anywhere else but there, he's endangering other people. Because there he's Jim. Yeah. And, he's and nobody it. knows him right. as Harry. Um, and the other thing is he gets to be somebody else other than famous Harry Potter for right. just a little while. And yeah, I don't. He doesn't want to give it up. At first, it was about safety. Now mm-hmm. it's just about says, him what, not getting. What does it matter? It they know exactly where I Which am. I'm so all right, and I'm him. out of their way. He's, he's, you know, he's trying to stay back and let the order do whatever the order needs to do. And the order is going. Our primary purpose is to protect Harry Potter. We need to know where he is. Yeah. We need to know where he well, is. Well, it's, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I will give Harry credit. Every single thing that Tom brings up, Harry has a valid answer for. Mm-hmm. Um, He didn't think people would be worried because no one had ever been worried about him before. So why would anybody be right. worried? Wait, um, wait, he's not remembering Chamber of Secrets? Who, what? When 
Ron and Fred and George can pick him up. Right, because car gone, no note. Molly was yelling at the Weasley boys, not at Harry. Yeah, no, but they came to pick him up. Because they were worried about him. Oh, yes, kids are worried. Adults don't worry about Harry. Oh, oh, oh. People who who matter in this kind of a situation aren't going to worry about Harry. Dumbledore doesn't worry about Harry in Harry's reality. He just... Um, No, he doesn't. (laughs) Sirius doesn't worry about Harry in Harry's reality. Or when Sirius does worry about Harry, Sirius does things that almost get himself caught. And that, you know, would be... That's worse than being worried about Harry. Mm -hmm. Um... So, you know, Tom's then like, well, you must have, you know, your family must be concerned. Have you at least written them? Uh, And Harry's going, I don't have a family. They abandoned me. And Tom's like, you know, and this is one thing that I really hate about adults doing to kids um, is them not taking them at their word. Because Harry throughout canon is just like, "My, my family does not like me. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, teenagers bitch about their their families all the time. And Tom, like, this is the camel that broke its back. back. Harry's done with with people, like, you know, dealing with, with this. And, and the fact that the Dursleys flat out abandoned him um, is proof of this. Because, it, you know, there's no point in contacting them. And it wasn't any misunderstanding, Tom. What you and Dumbledore and the whole bloody wizarding world refuse to see is my muggle relatives hate me. It isn't in my head. It's not going to get better. And we're not, we aren't really fond of each other deep down. They packed up and moved to bloody Australia and made sure they were gone before I returned to Hog- from Hogwarts. Does that sound like a mistake to you? And then, like, Tom doesn't know how to respond to that just because he never thought it was that bad. And nobody thinks it's that bad. And this is my point with this no, is of course not, everybody's adults crazy. never think it's that bad. And so when a, when a kid says, my family hates me, it's, oh, they're there. Your family doesn't hate you. But this is how people get away with abuse all the time is the kid says, my family hates no one me wants and to they get ignored. That it's true, especially if they haven't experienced anything like it themselves. And it is entirely accurate. Right. That- Kids and teenagers so will say, oh, my dad hates me when it's not true. Oh, very accurate. Uh, you know. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, in my experience. I can't tell you how many times the kids hate me. Yeah. I, there, mm-hmm. In my experience, there's a difference in tone. From They're not letting oh, me stand and watching my favorite show. From, no, they, <laughs> they hate, me. hate me. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah, versus they're not feeding me or... You know, they're telling, they're putting you down all the time or, you know, bad things are happening at home. And it's the same with, with, you know, you know, you know, I've had this situation where I'd be at the doctor's office and doctor always has your parents leave and your parents like right outside the door and they ask the questions, you know, are you being hurt at home, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, in my situation, of course, I just flat out lied because, you know, who would believe me? I was just a kid. My mom had everybody on her side. My dad had everybody on his side. Like, it, there wasn't ever, like, you know, ever, I was never taken seriously. So it really upsets me, even though it's true to fact, whenever I read something like this, because it's just like, yeah, you could, you know, you could do it where you never take um, it seriously and a few get missed. 
and you have to live with yourself with that. Or you could take all of them seriously and watch kids who say, my, my parents hate me or whatever. And nine times out of ten, it's not serious. But then nothing will be missed. So it's kind of like you have to make a, a conscious effort to, like, make sure you're not missing the kid that's, you know, so. Well, that's why mandatory reporters yeah. need to report everything because it's not our – it's not for us to decide whether or not ours is to hear something and say, okay, and yeah. make a report. Yeah, it's hear something, say something. Yep. So – but Tom's saying, I really think we need to get Dumbledore over here and you guys can have a talk. And Harry's like, no, I'll just leave. And Tom's like, what are you afraid of? And Harry's like, I'm afraid he's going to send me back. And I don't want to go back to them. I just want to stay here. I just want to stay and be here. And Tom's like, well, I want you to stay too. Dumbledore isn't heartless. You know, be yes, reasonable. I'm also, so I'm also going to point out, Dumbledore is not the authority here. Dumbledore is a school administrator. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the default magical guardian for people because yeah, because he's a school administrator. But yeah, well, depending on the fic, I, I've seen it in other fics because where... we don't really see him guarding. Yeah, I'm just saying in canon, we we don't see him gardening, being guarding, guardian, being a guardian um, for anyone else, gardening, yeah, gardening, being a guardian for anybody else in we canon. We sort of see it with, um, well, we see it. That uh, Tom applied to Dippet as headmaster to see whether he could stay for the summer, but that's a little different than being a guardian, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, right. Harry brings out from the box of salvaged stuff that Mrs. Fig charged, uh, charmed with his first letter, Mr. H. Potter covered under the stairs, mm-hmm. as proof that, yeah, I used to live in a cupboard. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet Tom asks, why was it addressed to a cupboard? And I'm going, um, dude, dude, <laughs> really? And then Harry's like, well, oh. I don't, I don't. And well, then he's like, why is it? I didn't. On the yeah, corners? I didn't interpret it as, um, like, why is it addressed to a cupboard in a? I don't like in a him him, him not getting it. It's kind of like that when you're in shock of some something's really shocking. Wow. You're See, like, this is where. Why? I would prefer some things be an audio because sometimes I'm not getting yeah. the subtleties. Yeah. It just doesn't immediately penetrate for Tom. It's like it's like uh, if you had a you know letter addressed to Antarctica, and as far as everybody knows, you live in Chicago. It's like why is this letter addressed to Antarctica? <laughs> because yeah. that's where I was at the time. <laughs> well, and then it's it's and the follow up is. What happened? He so Harry shrugs as answer to why is it addressed to the cupboard because he doesn't want to answer. Um, and then Tom tries again with what happened to it, and Harry's just like, "Well, I, I'm going to have to answer at, at this point. My my uncle burned it. He didn't want me to attend Hogwarts. I reckon. I thought it w- I, it was gone until I opened up the box. It's the weird. And then he goes in, into the box, but basically like." Tom's now suddenly realizing that Harry Potter slept in a cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. For most of his life. Or at the very least, the year before Hogwarts. Yeah. yeah. Kind Harry, who he loves. Yeah. And then he he sort of changes the subject. He's like, so I think okay. And then Harry's like, hey, Candy and Becky are magical. And he's like, well, yeah, I suspected that. Yeah. Did you tell Janet and Steve? No, Kitty seemed reluctant. He said, well, I think Janet knows something. She's been asking to 
if she can come by for a little chat. And she didn't say specifically, but she's probably seen something that made her curious. And Arthur Weasley thinks you're one of their kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As does everybody else in the pub. And Harry, I love it. And Harry's thinking, could this get any worse? And he's like, wait, don't say that, because then it will. Yeah, I know. But Tom says, step up for lip, Harry. We'll get it started. I have a feeling like, now, like you know, Tom would uh, essentially, um, like, you know, Dumbledore would have to go through Tom to, you know, mm, yeah. to take Harry someplace that Harry doesn't want to go at this point. Yeah. And yeah. Tom, you know, subtly hints that Ron and Hermione are still on the alley if he wants to catch up. But Yeah, mm-hmm. right. as Harry, but Harry doesn't want to. Yeah. No. Doesn't even want well, are we leaving it there? Because for they had this a late breakfast. We are leaving. We will we see. Leaving things there. continue to come All together, right. and people make actual realizations about stuff. Next time, it's about bloody time. <laughs> well, I mean, in some ways, they've been. Re- I mean, people have been making realizations all thick, and that's kind of been the point. Is you know, the first bit, Harry makes all these realizations about his family and the Dursleys and, you know, who really loves him and, and realizing that he can hide if he does this and that. And then, you know, Tom and Janet make realizations about, you know, certain things and Kitty and Becky make realizations yeah. about certain things. Yeah. And next time we're going to, if we get that far and find out what all happens, it might be another two times, but we'll try for one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. If we can get past the first chapter, the first chapter is always it's the worst. It's not just a chapter. We, we all have lots to talk about with this pic. Apparently, but I brought should... my soapbox. Yeah, soap has her <laughs> yeah, soap. Cat has her soapbox tonight. I didn't get to bed. T- I should have probably prefaced this podcast with I didn't get to bed till one a.m. last night. I had mm. like a massive bout of insomnia. Um. So it's just one of those things of like a lot of times, as Sue and Scott will know, when it's a late night. Well, when I have a late night the night We're before, getting a stream of consciousness, cat. Extra chatty. That's yep. all right. We love it. <laughs> Sorry. There is no filter cat. <laughs> no filter cat. So, all right. Well, it's getting dark. Good night, everyone. So I have to cover chicks and bury the chickens. Right. So we're going to say good night. Good night, everybody. Night, everybody. Have a good night, Sue. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.